Um, welcome everyone to uh, another episode of Quivera Insights, where we talk to uh, leading industry experts to learn more about how we should manage our money and grow our wealth. We have two very uh, interesting guests today. Uh, you probably know about both of them. Uh, we have Hansi Marotra, who's a practicing CFA and the founder of The Money Hans, a personal finance education blog aimed at retail investors. She's also the founder and editor of Money Management India. Um, Hansi has over 20 years of financial services industry experience um, in online delivery of investment research and consulting for the wealth management industry. Um, she set up the wealth management business for Mercer's investment consulting business across Asia Pacific. And she helped design the investment options for NPS. So that's super interesting. Um, uh, Hansi is a Bachelor of Arts from Delhi University and a graduate diploma of applied finance and investments. Um, she's been named top voice and power profile on LinkedIn. Welcome, Hansi. Yeah. We also have uh, Jensi Jacob with us, uh, who's the managing editor of Boom. That's a boom name. That's a good name. Uh, and he has worked with some of the top television and print networks in the country. Um, Jensi manages a newsroom of enterprising fact checkers who are striving to keep our social media and public space clear of misinformation and communally sensitive disinformation. So um, really kind of, you know, he deals with misinformation, mis-selling, uh, all kinds of mis-selling. Sometimes mis-selling need not be about lying. It can also be about omission. So I'm pretty sure he can kind of enlighten us about all the different kinds of mis-selling that happens in, in personal finance. Um, Jensi is a regular speaker at various national and international conferences uh, and speaks about the importance of battling misinformation and the media's role in countering them with credible and factual news stories. Welcome, Jensi. Thanks, Gaurav. So today um, we are talking about financial mis-selling. Um, we are talking about all the different kinds of mis-selling, like I mentioned. Um, some of the mis-sellings can be just about omission, where you are only shown the returns but never spoke, never told the risks. It's not you're not actually being lied to, but it's some kind of a mis-selling, but a lower end. And then there is blatant mis-selling, where uh, a product is. Uh, kind of represented to you in a way that is actually not beneficial to you, but it's represented in a way to you where it seems like it's the most beneficial product to you. So um, let, let, let's start with you, Hansi, right? Like um, the first thing that we want to kind of cover is the how and why of mis-selling. So um, why does this mis-selling have happened, right? So there, there are two parties involved, of course. There is a consumer who has to buy that product and there has to be an agent who has an incentive to sell this, right? Now the agent's picture is clearer, right? I mean, uh, they get revenues by selling, so they have that. Um, what happens with the consumer? I mean, are the consumers really gullible here? Is there, an, is, is there a greed and fear impact that can be played on? Um, or is it purely that most of the mis-selling is just um, lying and, and, and pushing a product through? Yeah. So as you said, there, there are two sides to it. Um, on the uh, distributor, agent, or salesman, whatever you want to call it, or advisor, depending on what license you have. Uh, it's, it's, as you said, incentives. But I also come across people who um, have the best interest or they have their heart in the right place, but they don't themselves don't know any better. So I think it's a function of both their own training and education, as well as incentives. Um, right. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's that aspect on the, on the salesman side. Um, in fact, I actually have a family member who has been selling insurance agent. She's a retired bank manager and she's been selling insurance policies, uh, the typical LIC ones that I would never buy, but I know her heart is in the right place when she is right. selling it to her friends and family. So I, I, I'd say that 
that also needs to be addressed now putting that to one side assuming that they themselves are not well trained um and they have the incentives to to go and sell they don't know that they're misselling perhaps why does misselling happen on the other side um i think on on the retail investor side uh we just haven't been taught that when we were growing up as simple as that i think we were taught biology so we have a basic idea of how our body works we were taught a bunch of other things that may or may not have been useful in our day to day life but we weren't taught the basics of finance so i think on some level we don't understand the very very basic concepts one two even if we did i think finance and economics are not uh, i don't think that i mean they're not hard sciences so there is no uh, right or wrong there is no hard and fast it's not like gravity that if you drop it it will go down so uh, in finance a lot of people say things like or what must what has gone up will come down and vice versa no it doesn't not necessarily that's your right. belief in value investing perhaps so there's a bunch of things like that that are people's opinions and um people uh, and and finance and economics generally is a human made construct so just because you look at the last 10 years 20 years even 30 years or even 100 years uh, doesn't mean it will be so in fact all the surprises happen when they are new right that was that's how crises happen so what i'm saying is uh, again on the on the investor side it's we don't know the basic concepts and even if we do um the, there is no uh, engineering or science type concept in finance so the people who are misselling to us may themselves genuinely believe that this is about to happen and we don't know any better i mean this raises a very interesting point and and, and let me just delve one level deeper into this right so um uh, and and i completely agree with you right i mean finance and economics are by definition probabilistic they're not definitive sciences so um but that that creates a a kind of that muddies the water so how do you categorize misselling then because uh, if it's probabilistic then unless you are blatantly misrepresenting the product right you said the product does a when it does not do a um pretty much everything you will say will have some probability of being true correct so then and so how what what constitutes misselling in in this kind of a framework i think the one concept that the regulators are aware of is obviously suitability right is this product suitable to your circumstances so that's one aspect which is basically you shouldn't be selling an alternative or a high risk product to a retiree uh for example or uh, or insurance to retiree so there's a suitability aspect which i think has been relatively well defined i also believe that financial products inherently are not good or bad it's the price that you pay for them okay so underlying asset classes there are only two there's only equity and there's debt everything else is a derivative of that debt may there's short term which is called cash there's medium term there's fixed interest there's high yield there's uh, junk bond there's a whole bunch of thing right same thing with equity uh, real estate is part of equity then there are real assets there are commodities there is equities and there's a very so anyway the point is if you understand the basic concept investments is about paying the appropriate price for it what happens in the financial services industry we take the underlying asset class underlying businesses underlying um assets whether it's real estate or commodities we package them financial services packages the products 
And in the process, we alter the risk return outcome by either loading up with too high fees or putting in some other financial engineering in terms of options and futures that alters the payoff. And then of course, um, when somebody's buying and selling, there are two different opinions, right? I, I might be buying, you might be selling. So we have different opinions on what their price is worth. So there is, no, there is no such thing as the right price and therefore over undervalued. Over undervaluation is somebody's opinion. The buyer and sellers have different opinion. So I believe there is no such thing as a bad product. I mean, I shouldn't say no such thing, but there's very few right. inherently bad products. They have been made so with usually uh, high fees and uh, high commissions and, and some financial engineering that wasn't needed. So my advice to people is, uh, if you don't understand, stick to the very, very basic and simple products. Buy businesses that you understand, buy assets like real estate or gold or whatever it is. You should have a diversified portfolio. There's nothing inherently good or bad. It's just the price you're paying for it. And you should have an idea of how, how much return they're capable of producing. So some basic education I believe in. Understood. So, so, so between, uh, you know, so Gen C, uh, you can also chime in. What are the two or three most missold products in financial services? It doesn't have to be investing related, can be anything, but you know, in your anecdotally, or if we have some data around it, what, what, are, the, what are those products that people have to watch out for? Oh, well, I think Hansi has uh, set the bar too high uh, when she says that actually there is, it's the price that is a problem. And partly I right. do agree with her. Uh, also going back to the entire issue of literacy, right? Uh, I'm in the space of uh, digital news and we talk about misinformation and we bust misinformation on a very active basis. So just to take a step back, if you take the same uh, uh, definition ahead uh, based on what Hansi has said, there is misinformation and there is disinformation. Misinformation is something that you know you don't know whether it is true or false. You just got it uh, through someone or if, if I take it in the investment space, someone tells me that uh, this insurance product is good. I decide that I want to buy it. I go and buy it probably, you know, it, it's worked for me for a few time, you know, because I haven't really gone and checked the life cycle, life cycle of the product or the mutual fund uh, scheme. Uh, and I go and do it. And then I tell some 10 others that, you know, you should also invest in this product. That's uh, based on misinformation. If I take, if I stretch the definition a bit, disinformation is something different. Disinformation is more in the communal and the ideological and the religious and the political space where I know it is wrong. But yet I go around spreading that myth just because it, it, it's, it's part of my echo chamber and it's part of my uh, you know, belief system. And I believe that you know, no matter what it is, this is what I'm going to believe in. If you take it into the financial uh, ecosystem space, I don't think you have exactly the same replica, but those who have an incentive to sell, they will missell in some form or the other. I'm, I don't mean to say that everyone has an incentive, but people, you know, genuinely, we are not trained to actually question those who tell us that, you know, you will get this many, this much returns or those many returns. Just think about it. Even today, you will find either your friend or your cousin or, your, or an elderly person who would have still, still put that money in a cooperative bank and have lost money. I mean, I just had a friend a few weeks back talking to me about it. And I asked him a very simple question. Why did you put your hard-earned money in that bank? It's and it is a very local cooperative bank that you will not expect an educated person like him to put his money. And you know what his reply was? Just because, you know, probably his parents were doing it in the past, 
and they have always got a good return and i kept on asking him in an interest rate scenario where banks are giving you 4.9% or 5% on your fixed deposits how on earth can anyone justify by giving you 8 or 9% returns this is simple economics or this is simple uh, monetary policy that none of us are actually see, trained see, that could just be risk mispricing right? right so your friend just mispriced the risk but that does not necessarily mean that the cooperative bank missold him or misrepresented their product i mean what i'm asked what i'm saying is very simple i am a very small bank um i have a huge need for assets and i'm not being a, i'm not i'm not defending the industry but just for this particular point um and i can come in and say hey you know what fixed deposits in my bank is 8% but as long as i say that all the risks apply but if i start saying hey you know what the the, the deposit is 8% but it is as safe as a psu bank now that last statement is misleading the first statement is just a statement of yeah. fact we are giving 8% returns on an fd because we are now it's it's uh, if you come and ask us are there risks involved then yes our fds will have to list all the risks involved in those most people will not read that um so i think i think sometimes it, there, there is that fine line between um, people mispricing risk which is kind of where the thought comes that sometimes the customers themselves are gullible because they see they have this greed and fear working for them um though i mean to 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 also but also 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 add something to what hansi mentioned about price my personal opinion is that it is more than just price so what i have seen in real life and many many times right with sometimes with myself as well because the first time you meet a banker they don't know that you're from the industry and that that's usually the best uh, you know conversations because they think you're from the tech world they don't know that i had been working at banks and blah 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 before that right so um but uh, i've seen that there is a framing game that everyone plays when someone wants you to buy a product right um they will not misrepresent the product but they will only tell you the good things about that product and they will wait for you to ask the counter questions and if you are not and and this again i think goes back to what hansi also mentioned if you don't have that level of financial education you may not even know the right questions to ask you will not ask the risk questions so what will happen is you go to a you go to a to an insurance and insurance it doesn't have to be insurance right in 2018 you could go to a um, to a to a broker and they would be pushing small caps and they would just show you 3 years of small cap returns yeah but then the onus is on you to say can i see the 10 year graph can i see the 20 year graph can i see how much these funds can also lose but if you don't ask those questions you look at the 3 year returns you say oh 20% per year every year my god this is going to the moon in the next 10 years of course it doesn't right so i think uh, we we do believe that some of that happens but uh, any, anyway I, i just wanted to kind of uh, draw the line between uh, people mispricing risk themselves versus someone actually coming and misselling them a product yeah i agree on that front uh, it's uh, you know uh, i was just trying to draw the analogy to to explain that uh, people are not always rational when it comes to their money and irrationality is where miss selling happens right at the end of the day someone is selling a product now you may agree or you may disagree there's nothing in the law which probably may prevent them from selling your product by not telling you certain things though i do believe that now there are distributor norms and there are uh, ways in which uh, you can be held accountable though how much of that is possible i'm not aware but uh, what i was trying to say is that when it comes to money we are irrational most people are irrational you know th- th- which is why you still see uh, even this year you would have seen that post the pandemic there is a huge rush of people trying to make money in the stock markets 
uh, or you know there are there are people jumping into buying sips or there are people buy trying to buy some product which they feel that the capital will be protected now these are all ways in which uh, it all draws back to the same thing that a we have not been taught how to manage our money uh, right which goes back right into our education system and that's why probably we end up uh, making a lot of uh, losses at at times and learn it the hard way only when you lose money do you know how you can make money enough <laughs> yeah so it's not on the on the notes so i agree with you um, uh, gorav about the mispricing being one uh, jency i i know it's fashionable to say that we are irrational and we're driven by greed and fear of course we're driven by greed and fear everyone is but i don't think we're irrational i think the textbooks got it wrong by calling uh, or expecting us to be robots calculating and doing a compounding calculation in our heads while we're going around i mean that is stupid okay so i think the textbooks got it wrong and now they're making us um, calling us irrational no i think we are normal the textbooks were irrational to have come up with a theory that we could do our calculations in our head no one can it's okay, so, Taylor, and i work with actuaries trust me even they get it wrong is what the tailors and the behaviorists says right you know uh, the yeah, want you to believe that you are homo economicus so correct you can do all those differential or, or derivatives in your head but no when yeah we're not econs and right? 100 i have a bunch of uh, issues that i want to bring up here one is um one like one of our regulators is doing a good job which is sebi in terms of suitability and stuff but financial products uh, don't just get sold by sebi regulated uh people right so there is insurance products there is chit funds there is real estate there is gold related there's a whole bunch of financial products out there that are not regulated by the the regulator that we want to regulate so one there's a whole regulatory arbitrage that's happening that i think needs to be looked at um uh, we we've, we've touched about past performance okay so i had this argument with the regulator in australia about 20 years ago um people regulators included think that it's okay it's better to show facts so we let's show past performance because it's a fact but if i show the last 3 years past performance as you said which is like say 45% per annum um you are omitting the fact that that i mean i know you say the standard line past performance is no guide to future performance everyone says <laughs> it no one believes it right so you are purposely leading people to believe that past performance is going to be repeated so i put it to the regulator years ago why not make the institution uh, make a long term forecast so yes this was a 45% return per annum compound but do you expect what do you expect the small cap fund to perform in the future and if they are as chief investment officer they will not put their name to any higher than say 15% per annum if that right in india right so what i'm saying is if you i know it sounds uh, counterintuitive but presenting facts only is misleading you need to also make someone make do a forecast because finance is all about forecast that's the second issue so regulatory arbitrage uh fact versus forecast um the third thing i want to say is this financial education bit um i don't know whether we'll get to it or not so i'm raising it now um so yes of not, not only did we were we not taught uh financial education or financial literacy in school and colleges but now there's this belief by some well known journalists and commentators that financial education doesn't work so a lot of people comment this is fashionable to say that and i and they rely, they basically base it on uh, meta studies of financial education sort of um interventions 
without having done a, a randomized control trial. So they didn't. So they didn't do a test before, and then they. Uh, do the intervention and then they do after. And also, I, you know, and I know, and everyone knows that a one-hour intervention, poorly designed by a non-financial, non-communication, and non-education expert. Okay, someone just done a one-hour gyan in front of a whiteboard and then says, "Tika, I did a financial education intervention, and now you must be financially literate. And right. now, if you buy something, either you're stupid or someone has missold you." No, that's not fair. You cannot have taught me everything I need to know in one hour. That's just not going to happen. So I believe that um, financial news uh, makes it sound like you watch this one show and everything you need to know is covered in this show. No, it's not. Uh, like any other subject, there is a wide variety of concepts that you need to understand. And therefore, I I believe, and this is why the Money Hunts is my free initiative i have no ads on it i don't charge anything on it i have no products to sell i have nothing to sell i'm just doing this because i feel so passionate about this and here's what i'm saying there are concepts there are mental models you need to understand you need to understand how the economy works you need to understand how financial services works you need to understand how equity markets work the basic concepts that everyone needs to understand and then once you have a mental model then any information that is thrown at you via a well meaning program or intervention or a, a podcast like this then you can see how this information this new information that you've just learned fits into that mental model but if you don't have any concept any idea of how the world works how do you know what to do with that information but that imposes and i mean I, uh, most of it i agree with but the, the only thing is that you know that imposes a very high degree of learnability on the end users and almost puts all the onus of not being missold on the end user is there a is there a i mean some of the things that we think about quite often is you know are there regulatory ways to be able to do this are there low hanging fruits by which you can do this right yes um, yes instead of kind of one is recorded make it in writing so when i get a call yep. every yep. time i get I a call that. I, I scream at them saying don't you dare do a verbal conversation okay i'm recording this call i'm telling you i'm recording in fact two weeks ago i got a call someone uh, and i said i'm recording this call actually i said it at the end of the conversation rather than the beginning because i obviously wanted them to say whatever they wanted to say right and sure enough it was a misselling it was them misselling uh, a portfolio of etfs or a portfolio a basket of pharmaceutical stocks they're saying hold this thing keep it for month month and a half and you will get amazing returns right and then i told them hang on <laughs> i mean yeah no, uh, i asked this yeah. woman how long she was a finance expert and she said uh, oh i've only had this job for a month month and a half Uh, I'm not a finance expert. I'm obviously running, uh, reading off a script. So, so that's something we hundred percent agree with. We need both. I think we need. I'm not saying uh, put the onus on the on the user. I'm saying uh, basic concept. Uh, the user also. It's like when when you uh, run the traffic lights. Do you say I didn't know the law? I mean, it was on the onus was on the government to tell me that uh, the red light means don't walk. I mean, no. It's some. some uh, you can't claim ignorance of the law right similarly what i'm saying to you is some basic understanding of how the world works is the onus has to be on you it's your money it's like that ad now that alec vidam said come up with um, marzi hai aapki sar hai aapka right that that uh, ad about helmet. not wearing a helmet, helmet. so yeah, people yeah, think yeah. the helmet is to prevent being booked by the 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 havaldar no the helmet is for your own protection 
right? Similarly, I'm saying to you, if someone is giving you information, you need to read it, you need to understand it. It's for your own protection. Yes, we will also work on the regulator and on the industry and self-regulation and a whole bunch of other things so that people don't missell and, and we catch them in case they missell by recording and make, insisting on writing and a whole bunch of other things. But you cannot say that I'm going to be an idiot and I will continue to be an idiot and, and somehow I should. Um, so as somebody said, the, the law is to protect the, um, um, what is it? The, I can't, I forget the word now what it was, but not the stupid, okay? You cannot right. literally pretend that you, it's not up to you to understand a little bit. No, so, so we, I mean, I'm, I'm personally, we are big proponents of that. If it's not in writing, if it's not on a recorded channel, then don't think of it as a promise. Then it's just, a, you know, a vague assumption and that you can completely ignore that. So I think, in fact, I think that in itself, just just adhering to that, just one simple hack if, if someone has to take away is that whatever they are telling you on your face, ask them to send it on a written channel on the company email address. And if they don't do that, don't buy the product. I absolutely agree. That itself takes away, you know, like 90% of all the kind of, you know, mis all the mumbo jumbo, you know, I mean, this, this goes back to when I was young, I used to hear this 15% to mili jayega. I mean, people used to say it like you want the guarantee, hai. but it's, it's framed in such a way. They are, they're not used the word guarantee. They've not written it on a piece of paper, but the way they have said it, it's, it's unambiguous to the other, other person. Ki, okay. 15% is the minimum I should expect. And, and, and I think, um, uh, writing it down, making it an explicitly uh, as a promise definitely changes that. Um, what else can we do, Jensi? I mean, is there something where, how can social media actually help increase this kind of awareness? Well, I have a very or, radical, or hurt, maybe. I have a, I have mm -hmm. a very radical view about social media and, and right. investing and putting your money when it comes to uh, information. I'm quite an old school that way. Right. Like for example, I don't uh, trust my money with anything beyond what I would have seen it myself. Like for example, uh, coming back to the topic that you all were discussing earlier. So if we are right. not irrational, then it, then it assumes that you have to burn your own money before you learn how to make money out of that. Uh, you know, that just, I'm just leaving that thought. Probably I would like to hear from both of you. No, but you can learn that. from other people's mistakes also. No? Yeah. See, so, I, I don't have to crash a car to realize it is a four-star crash rating. I can just learn from, yeah, but, 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 but I, I, I'm totally fine with license. making mistakes, but I'm not fine with making no, all the mistakes. That's a fair analogy because you get, you get the license to drive a car only after someone has checked whether you can drive that car or not. That does not happen when it, when it is managing your own finances. Let's just think about it. Someone who probably gets a job at the age of 21, 22, and have gone through the same school and college education system where no one has taught them anything about how to manage your money. What do you do? You do, I mean, either ways, you know, people either blow up their money and, and, and live the good life or by the time they realize and someone says, okay, put money here, put in SIP, put in fixed deposits or put in stock markets. There is an element of risk, which is involved where they end up losing money before they come to the cycle where they understand, okay, this is what I was doing wrong and let me do it uh, differently. But anyways, coming back to your original question, when it comes to uh, social media, when it comes to probably getting advices online, I have built very strict parameters for myself, how I'm going to put my money. So there are, I mean, I've obviously learned it over the period of time, but otherwise any advices that I get, I'm on like, you know, so many market groups, you know, just by virtue of being a journalist, 
uh, one thing that you always need to learn is that if someone is telling you that they are that they are making money out of a certain stock or a certain uh, product obviously that has already been priced in you know by the time you get in uh, you know you have already gotten at the top and you are not going to make any money so the broad sense that i that i get from this is that yes ask for all the data that you are talking about you know you don't just look at one month return or three month return or six month return look for a longer return i can show you funds which are which have come into the market in 95 and 2000 and 2005 and have just not given any returns in the last 3 to 5 years i feel that over a period of time someone is going to do break this myth of sips being an all encompassing well generator uh, at some point of time because just by being in the industry for about 20 years a fund necessarily need not give you the return that probably you are looking for so i would say that don't always uh, look for things on social media there are many uh, people i've seen on twitter who say that okay follow my handle and i will tell you how to make money it's a sure shot uh, you know disaster that you are going to fall into or probably uh, someone telling you that join this whatsapp group every day morning they will give you a stock tip and then you will be able to put in your money uh, you know just hot like, tips are a complete no no basically yeah unless you uh. unless you know the understand the stock markets don't get into equity you know stick to sips and stick to mutual funds because someone else is doing the thinking for you I I I disagree. I think there's a bunch of uh, sorry, Jensi. You're there are two different aspects to it. One is losing money because of mis-selling when there's something wrong with the product or highly priced, high commission, whatever, right? And then there is markets can actually be flat or down over twenty years as well. Okay, look at Japan. So I'm just saying to you that uh, just because someone has lost money doesn't mean they were mis-sold. Okay, they could have been. um um they could have bought something overpriced so i'm just saying that two different aspects which is why i'm saying to you that i think the um i mean i am also trying to use social media to reach people if people followed your logic then they they would discount me as well which is not but fair. are you selling a certain stock are I'm you not, saying that no, 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 i'm not i'm not i'm yes, I, that's exactly I, what i'm saying you know i know i know i'm saying to you that there are a bunch of people i've seen on youtube uh who sound very similar to me they also say follow us and we giving you financial education i am also saying that i'm quite aware that it's ironic that i sound pretty much like the same people that i'm trying to warn them against okay so i am quite aware of this and hence i'm saying to you that i don't think it's fair to say a blanket statement everything on social media is not uh, worth um following i think that's not true i think there's some amazing people on twitter i follow i only go to twitter to follow some amazing people who talk a lot of sense Okay, so I think you need to do a little bit of research to find who the people are to follow, and yes, it's worthwhile finding a bit more about um, what what they have done, whether they had incredible jobs, what their qualifications are. I think a whole bunch of things. So I think the medium, being social media or traditional media, is not the culprit. But Hansi, I, I would draw a line. The underlying person. If I'm selling a product, if I'm saying that you know, put your money in this product. i i need to know as an investor what is the underlying uh, interest that that person has in pushing that product i'm differentiating between the product agree, and agree, the team agree agree so i'm saying to you that therefore so the medium being social versus traditional media is not the culprit okay so you have to just like you would do some due diligence on a real person when you met them you do them on social media also you do them on traditional media also so i'm saying to you the medium is not the culprit so that's one 
Two, coming back to your point about um, uh, the car, the driver is tested. Uh, you know, the driver is tested because, not because they will kill themselves. That's the easy part. If there was just that, I, they wouldn't be tested. The reason they're tested is because they might kill somebody else. So that analogy, uh, because if you are a financial advisor and you can cause damage to somebody else is when you are tested. And to be fair to SEBI, at least, uh, they are putting higher and higher standards in to actually say thou shalt have a postgrad qualification. In fact, right nowadays, to become an RIA, registered investment advisor, you have to be postgrad. So a bunch of my friends can't even apply, which is quite ironic. It's so much better than earlier. I, I know. So I, I think that's good. It's yeah. just that not all financial products are regulated by SEBI. And SEBI is doing it also slowly, right? One fine day, 20 years ago, they couldn't have done it, right? So they had to, they had to match their pace with the market, where the market is at. If they, in fact, already they their requirement is so high that there's not enough advisors in the market to cater to everyone, which is why something like a Covera or other platforms or my platform needs to be there. You cannot say that just because I'm using um, a digital medium, that means I'm bad. I think we are all trying to educate the market, but because you're putting it out in the social media domain and on a website, I'm open challenge. If anyone can find anything wrong in what I have said, my career should be over because you will call me out, right? Exactly. So I'm putting my exactly. reputation on the line. So I think you should have, should follow, at least check if it's a real person. If they're hiding behind a corporate handle, then yes, then that's the one you should question. But if they have it's a real name, even, um, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be that, right? I mean, see, so, so going back to like you know, and, and how we think about this is right. Um, when you when you do something on social media, so 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 there are two different aspects, right? And I think I spoke about it a little bit earlier, right? There are closed groups and open groups, right? If it's it's happening on WhatsApp, then it's not that auditable. That's why advice you get on a WhatsApp, hot tips you get on WhatsApp, you should stay away from them. Telegram, same difference, doesn't make any difference, right? But then there are public platforms, right? So it's like the platform she runs, the platform we run, right? We actually believe that one of our biggest strengths is literally that everything we do is done in the public domain. If we make an error, right? If we make an error of judgment, if we make an error of framing, if we make an error of just representation, we have hundreds of thousands of users. Someone will catch it. And they'll come back to us and they'll say, you know what, if you don't fix this, I'm going to go to social media, right? So you better fix it, right? So effectively, when we think of our business, we are like, you know what, the if, if someone is on a platform like ours, if someone goes to a platform like Hansi, uh, the smartest users in our cohort is watching out the most, uh, you know, financially literate users in our cohort. They are watching out for the interests of everyone, right? So in a way, Technology here is making the audit process that we talked about, right? Is that advice auditable, is that, which is kind of why the biggest hack is give it to me in writing. They won't give it to you in writing because they don't want to leave an audit trail. Otherwise, it just becomes I said, I said, he said, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I didn't, I never said that. Or I said something else and you misconstrued it as something. And then it. So, um, so I kind of agree with I think I think I think what Hansi is saying that technology we can't just kind of blanket blame technology or social media. But I also agree to, to Gen C's point that in social media, still if it's a closed group, and that's why you will also see very particularly right if you look at all these hot stock tippers, right? It always says, join my WhatsApp group, 
join my telegram group why why don't they say join my twitter handle and i'll give you because twitter is auditable why don't they say you know join my facebook group they they, they always pick a platform where they they can they they have deniability first of all and second is that they can hide behind uh, being uh, you know they, they don't have to disclose who they really are yeah but Gaurav, Again, I, you know, i also i also feel that you know that uh, this is not always the problem of uh, they are not always hiding behind encryption for example i worked for several years in business news channels and i still have a problem with that with that model where right. someone stands up and says okay breaking news of the day i've got this news about this stock uh, and invariably because i've worked in the back end i know how that system works it is not as if they are out there to 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 pull a fraud on the on the viewers but invariably most of them are not being true to the job that they have been interested in and the kind of trust that people i think people today have figured how out, do you solve for that i mean you're talking about are you, are you talking about like pump and dump schemes or or kind of pump, pump and dump schemes no like you know i'm not sure someone, I, maybe i'm putting like, words in your mouth no <laughs> someone like you know someone will say uh, okay uh, so th- probably this is what the announcement which we are hearing from our sources about this stock and suddenly you right. see the stock running right now i do know how that works because many of those analysts are part of these same whatsapp groups where there are brokers and traders who are part of oh. it and they are trying to push the stock and they are pushing the stock to these analysts who are out there on the screen either they are your own employees the business channel employees or they are probably analysts who are coming in and and recommending the, you know a stock or b stock there is invariably a lot of risk that is involved in it and is that mis selling like one one might say okay if you're putting your money in the stock market you are gambling with your money in some form or the other there are many people who tell me this i mean i am a stock market investor but, but this but shouldn't should, shouldn't the journalistic standards not allow something like this to ever get published well but i'm sorry journalists think they are financial analysts they are not so they are not they are not exactly so yeah, that is the point i'm making finance news anyway why are they listening to finance news that is the point i'm making that in they journalists they are not analysts someone is trying to rig that stock price and that stock price is being rigged through people who are saying that i have heard this news that sources are telling me and i am telling you again no research has been done on this uh, but if someone goes and picks up all the stock market recommendations that have been done on these channels over the last 6 months or or probably one year you will find that invariably people have lost money there will be some stocks will be which will be multi baggers all of that how can, how can cross checkers you know how can cross checkers like you come in into this picture i mean how can how can we solve for this yeah, i mean but, is there a, what if, what if i just on that point i would say is that uh, i think it's what what he's raising is fair but i think it's a very very small part of the population so i think we're getting uh, catering to that 1 2% of the population that wants to play and gamble in the stock market who don't know any better i think but, but hansi I, i agree with you but i let me tell you why that this is dangerous when people lose money in the market they go and badmouth the market outside they'll say okay i didn't make money in an sip because x y or z said it and i did not make money there is a ripple down effect there are a huge set of population of people who probably could benefit from better savings better investment modules like putting in money in uh, some good mutual funds you know by putting in money in equity but they don't do it because they are relying on the bad experiences of others who have relied on on people who have i don't know whether you'll call it misselling but who have gone and misled people into investing into stocks and have painted a rosy picture rather than you know telling them uh, you know 
and and that's the that's the uh, you know the the problem of having running a 24 hour news channel what so i'm saying to you is that the, the journalists are not experts i'm saying to you journalists are journalists is their job to report what somebody else has said so i don't know that we should go about fixing i mean that this is a a global phenomenon uh, media exists to amplify news that the companies have put out okay so that's how markets work if there is some market sensitive information that the company wants to announce uh, they how do they reach everyone in the world they go and put it onto a television channel so i'm saying to you that television channels have a purpose the purpose is to amplify news that's coming out it's um, they think that their job is also to go and rate mutual funds and also to give buy sell recommendations on stocks who gave them that job and why the regulators are not stepping in to say hang on are you financial analyst are you been qualified yeah. should you be doing that That's and they try to walk that fine line and they try to sometimes they hide behind somebody else said so and so said that but there are newspapers that give fund ratings now that's not a regulated activity but um, it should be the first time i'm hearing which newspaper gives fund ratings ha uh, everyone does it ratings rankings whatever they call it uh, star yeah. rating i mean they hide behind that sometimes they take yeah. morning star rankings rating. maybe because rating i think is a, is a defined word ha and then they say ye five star rating liya hai maine uske baad maine jo hai we've gone and done qualitative analysis over and above that i know but if qualitative analysis was that easy why did i go and do a cfa and spend 20 years doing it for a institutional investor if everybody could just do it so i'm saying to you that um the public uh, relying on journalists i i have a lot of respect for journalists okay i want to be one i am becoming one by launching my own platform okay but there are two different hats that i would wear i think a financial analyst a cfa for example i'm a cfa i've been 20 years a cfa if i am caught any of my peers can report me if i do forget a illegal thing if i do an unethical thing which is legal but unethical any one of my peers can report me and my cfa would be stripped okay so that's the standard that i am being held to and i think more people a cas are held to a standard cfas are held to a standard so if you are going to take financial advice please take it from someone who's qualified who has a reputation to lose who has a career to lose journalists have a different role just be very clear and again i'm saying to you you cannot be an adult a, a person of the world and claim that you don't know that journalists are not financial experts i'm sorry do you not know what professions mean i mean surely surely so so, 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 so i think i think just just to kind of wrap it up a little bit right um so couple of things couple of things came out so i think one of the big thing is that misselling will happen it is up to the individual to prepare for it don't expect the state or the media or anyone else to come in for your defense so learn a little bit about finance that's a good thing second is understand who you're getting advice from so not all advice is equal if it's a hot tip on a whatsapp channel then it's a very different advice than if it's a long form or if it's a well reasoned well thought of advice from someone who has had a career in finance or who understands investing um so make that third is that use simple hacks uh, the most important hack is before you sign off on any product just make sure that everything you've been promised is given in writing and i think that alone is by the way you know solves a lot of this uh, technology can help technology can hurt so use technology in a way that it helps you making better financial decisions and not drags you into uh, this stock is going to double tomorrow 
so is, is that a fair assessment of kind of some of the different views we have we have discussed yeah just one thing i'd say is that i i wouldn't put the onus just on the investor even though i was the one leaning towards saying you have to be well informed i right. there is effort being made throughout the world to for it to be on both sides buyer beware and seller beware okay so there is regulation to, to maintain to, to kind of even the playing field yeah, for for yeah, both of them yeah. but i mean at, at, at any given point in time right i mean you have to always guard for your interests right okay. that that goes without saying uh, if you get regulatory help great but even if you don't so so um so, so that was fantastic i think it was a it was a great conversation thanks jency thanks hansi i think we we really went over above our time but i, I had a lot of fun i think it was uh two very passionate people talking about you know uh, things that are close to them so thanks so much for coming on our on our show